Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The United States released a U.S.-Saudi dual citizen who'd been held by the military as a suspected ISIS terrorist. What was that about? And a citizen of Kazakhstan has been deported from the United States for concealing evidence for the Boston Marathon bombers. Just two stories I spoke with Scott Neuwerk about, the former Alberta prosecutor and international security advisor to Canada and Ontario post 9-11, now professor at Simon Fraser University. Now to my friend Scott Newark, former Crown Attorney in Alberta, professor at uh, Simon Fraser University, and uh, security advisor to the federal. You have you wear so many hats. I mean, it's I don't know how you cram all that into one lifetime, my friend. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. Well, and gee, I was sitting here. I'm actually uh, we're doing a pool amongst some uh, friends of uh, mine about the uh, U.S. midterm elections. Uh, when I was listening to your uh, your previous guest, I'll tell you, I think if the uh, one other consequence, if the Democrats get control of the uh, House, Trump will be impeached. Well, they'll, they'll certainly aim aim for that. Well, the, the the system, and I mean, I worked down there for a while, so the the way that the system works, Bill Clinton was actually impeached. It requires a majority vote in the House, and then it goes to the Senate, which must, uh, in effect, act like the jury and reach a verdict with a two-thirds vote, which they wouldn't get in the Senate, uh, it would appear. But uh, if they got it in the House, I mean, as your commentator was pointing out, it would absolutely derail everything else that would be going on down mm-hmm. there. Yeah. i, I, I got to tell you, I watch what's going on in the divided states of America and just shake my head. You know, I go back to what Rasmussen uh, told us. This now goes back about probably four or five months. 31% of Americans felt at the time, maybe more now, that within five years' time, there'll be a civil war in the United States. It's not something you want to hear. But that's what 30%, 31% of Americans felt that in the summertime. You know, I worked uh, worked in Washington in uh, 2005, and I got to tell you, I... uh, you know, I'm somebody who follows U.S. politics pretty closely, or so I thought. Uh, I was absolutely blown away at how partisan everything was, how divided everything was, uh, including on the national security issues, which are the areas that I was working on, uh, including, by the way, having a meeting with uh, Robert Mueller, who was then the uh, FBI director. But it was unreal. I was just absolutely stunned at how everything had become so partisan. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't, you can't, worse. You, can, you know, you're very familiar with what goes on in uh, in Ottawa as well. You were a senior yes. policy advisor to a federal minister for public safety, so you understand the, 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 the machinery of government far better than most. You can't have effective government if there isn't some sort of contact between the opposing sides that goes beyond confrontation over bills, confrontation over specific initiatives and objectives. There has to be some social contact that brings back some level of humanity into the debate. Yeah, and um, uh, I mean, it's one of my concerns, actually, uh, about the Canadian parliamentary system. I've been involved with it, I guess, since the late 80s, when as a prosecutor I was testifying before uh, parliamentary committees on different cases about the correction system. And um, over those 30 years, I've got to tell you, the increase in power and influence of the executive branch, that is to say the prime minister's office, cabinet, 
you know, and the uh, bureaucracy that run things as uh, compared to the legislative branch uh, is noticeable, and I think it's uh, unfortunate. Uh, having said that, we are still, you know, we may not get things done as quickly as the Americans do in some instances, but we tend to have a better process, I think, of consensus, and so that at the end of the day, there's more buy-in on things. Although, you can, you know, point to different issues and see that that's not always the case. But mm -hmm. I think our system, frankly, is showing itself uh, uh, in the long run to be uh, one that is uh, more unifying than divisive. Well, the next year is going to tell a lot of stories about that, eh? I think that's exactly the case, yes. Hang on, Mr. Newark. We'll come back uh, with Scott, and we'll get into the issues we were going to talk about. You've, you've written op-eds, you've, you've talked about and, and you've shared views on what has to happen uh, as far as jihadis who want to get into this country are concerned. And then, and we've talked about a lot on the air recently, and then there's an American case that has uh, just recently, I don't know if it's concluded yet, but a dual citizen, American Saudi, has been released from custody. What's the story here? Yeah, it's, uh, first of all, it is a really complex issue when you're dealing with um, your own citizens, whether they've got joint citizenship or not, but who make the conscious decision to travel abroad and engage in Islamist uh, terrorism. Uh, because what happens once they get captured, and that's now taking place, of course, with the collapse of ISIS in uh, Iraq and Syria, and so it's not just Canada, it's all of the Western countries, and indeed other countries, Russia's facing it as well too, where countries are having to deal with, like, what are we supposed to do now? You know, the, uh, the, the, whether it's the Syrian government or, or more frequently, it seems, the uh, Kurdish in the north of Syria have captured these people and got them detained, plus their wives and children. And they want, understandably, they want the countries that they came from to do something about it, to take them back. They don't want them just left in their own country. They could escape. They could get, uh, you know, uh, the, the prisons could get attacked because the, uh, the bad guys aren't uh, completely out of the picture yet. So they have been reaching out and making efforts, and Western countries, including Canada, are really struggling with trying to figure out what to do about it. Uh, the guys at uh, Global News, uh, Stuart Bell, uh, and a team he put together several weeks ago did a, just an outstanding piece, and they did what uh, you know the the RCMP had so far failed to. They actually went over to Kurdistan and interviewed uh, one Canadian uh, jihadi in particular and a bunch of other people, including uh, the wives that were being held in not in prisons but in camps, and. As I jokingly said, I think previously, you know, Stuart, get your suit dry clean, because if I'm in charge of that case and that guy comes back here, you're going to be a witness in court. Yeah, you said that you know, That sure, evidence yeah. is potentially admissible. Yeah. And that's, that's the real challenge, is it's in getting the information and, and presenting it or getting it into a format that it's admissible in court so that you could prosecute these people for uh, terrorism offenses as opposed to just letting them go, which so far pretty much appears to be the strategy that we've been using. Well, and the Americans let this uh, this this dual citizen, this American Saudi citizen, go. Yeah, they didn't they didn't really have much choice. The uh, the court did it for them. This is a guy named Abdul Rahman Ahmad Al Sheikh, who was uh, captured in uh, 2017 again by the Kurds in uh, Syria. Um, the Americans uh, actually the the Kurds gave them to the Americans who held them. They were holding on to an Iraq. They made a an announcement about it, I guess about the fact that this guy was being held as, uh, under the American system, they described him as an enemy combatant. And that goes back to 
a legal designation the Americans came up with after 9-11, which meant they could hold the person indefinitely. Uh, the American Civil Liberties Union, uh, the lawyers, recognized that this case was taking place, and so they went to court proactively to say, they sh- this guy doesn't qualify for that. You know, they, had, uh, they were able to get some details on him, and the American government said, well, wait a minute, you've never even spoken to him, he hasn't retained you, you have no standing. And the judge said, well, no, I think there's a case to be made here, and so they let the, uh, the lawyers continue. And it went on, dragged on for about a year, and the uh, court finally ruled that the Americans' uh, authorities uh, are not allowed to simply keep them. And so, as you uh, point out, they uh, they took him to uh, Bahrain, where I guess his uh, his wife is maybe from, and uh, released him there. Mm-hmm. But it's an example of the difficulties that Western countries are going to face in dealing with this problem. It's not going away. And as you may know, I think it was uh, last week, two weeks ago, the Canadian Parliament passed a resolution that called on the federal government to develop and release a plan how we are going to deal with this situation. And it was, you'll be interested to know, uh, Roy, it was passed 280 in favor of it, and one MP voted against it. Who's that MP? You know who voted against it? No. Your friend, Elizabeth May. My friend? Yeah. So for all you uh, hippies out there, uh, you know, you maybe want to think there's uh, more to uh, uh, social affairs than just the environment, because this is a problem that has to be dealt with. It does have to be dealt with. But, you know, I look at the Parliament, all of them, and, and, and I look at them during question period, and I think, are these people, are these, just looking at them, and it may not be a fair judgment call, but are these the people I want to make, I, I want uh, give give the opportunity to make decisions like this? Do I trust them just by their appearance and by the things I've heard them say and the things I've seen them do? Do I trust them to do the right thing? I do not trust them to do the right yeah, thing because it, I think they're doing the right thing mean. politically but not in not for the country. It's as though showmanship has uh, yeah. triumphed over substance. Yeah, Barnum and Bailey. What was it P.T. Yeah. Barnum said? There's one word every always, minute. Not always, but, and that's why I think it's really important. That's why I always do that when I'm preparing these uh, pieces on different kinds of subjects. Yeah. By always offering specific suggestions that we can re- we could actually use. I don't care who takes credit for it, but let's just try to get the right thing done. And you do it, and you do it so well. And fortunately, once in a while, maybe more than once in a while, because we don't know everything you pass along to them, they follow your lead. Now, you wrote a blog piece for Frontline Security Magazine on the McClintic case. We have about, well, we have about 45 seconds. Sorry. Can you do it? Sure. The bottom line on this is just exactly what we were uh, talking about is take this case, and supposedly we're getting a report back, Minister Goodale said, shortly from Correctional Service of Canada, which has been tasked with examining itself about what it actually did in this case in transferring this horrific uh, murderer, ultimately, uh, who self-identified as uh, Aboriginal, to a healing lodge without any notice to the family, without any notice or consultation to the uh, Indigenous uh, community. Uh, There are specific recommendations that we can come up with to prevent this kind of case from happening again. And I think I listed them in the uh, the piece that you're referring to, and it includes, in effect, uh, giving uh, victims more information. Their voice becomes in effect, the voice of the public of accountability, uh, making sure that they get that information and they can make submissions, Mm. requiring in law consideration of certain factors so that you don't treat everybody the same. There are things that we can do to make this better. 
Scott, thank you for the time. Thanks for your patience. Okay, well, bye-bye. Scott Newark, bye-bye. Scott Newark on The Roy Green Show. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 